My novel Finding Home is available for purchase on February 20th in everywhere that books are sold. One reader called it a spiritual experience embedded in pure drama. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. Tell a fantastic story, but reveal all the layers of spiritual truth that were in the prodigal son parable when Jesus told it. But we miss it with our Western eyes. You will be amazed at the Father's incredible love for you. You can find out more on my website, susankamacias.com backslash finding dash home. Hey, sister. Thanks for joining me on the We're Not Done Yet podcast. This is Susan Macias, and today we're going to talk about something that mm, we might not want to talk about at church, um, unless we have good friends we can be really, really honest with. You know what? Sometimes we sit in our empty nest and we look and we say, I'm really disappointed in how life has turned out. Today, we're going to talk about that big and bold and in front of everybody. So glad you could join me. So about 10 years ago, I was really mad at God, and I wasn't even trying to pretend anymore. Um, I just was mad because things had not worked out. I had homeschooled. I had laid my life down for my kids. I had not done a lot of the projects and writing and things that, that I couldn't get time for in raising seven children. And I had done what I thought God had told me to do, and here we were in a place I never expected to find myself. Because my eldest, at the age of 22, and less than a year of being married, his wife left him, and they were going to be getting a divorce. A divorce. Exactly what I thought I was doing to raise him differently, to protect him from, was what was happening. And I felt like God had let me down. He had not upheld his end of the bargain. Have you ever felt that way? It's like, God, I did my part. Where were you? And I was just mad. And so finally, you know, the father sat me down and said, we need, you know, we're going to have to talk about this. And I, I was like, where were you? Did you look away? How could you let this happen? I did what you told me to do. I homeschooled. And after ranting for a while, Jesus finally got in my face and said very quietly in my spirit, why did you homeschool? And I'm like, why? So they could have a better education, more individualized, and where I could talk about you and you could be the center of everything. But he didn't let me get away with it. And he said, why did you homeschool? So our family could be close. They could be best friends. They could, we moved around with the military. They wouldn't have to go from school to school. Why did you homeschool? And I was so mad. I was so exasperated. I was literally walking out around the room, talking out loud. At that point, my family was like, I don't know. We just leave her alone when she gets like this. That still small voice repeated that question. Why did you homeschool? And every reason that I threw out, he kept asking the question. And finally, I had to admit, when he persisted, why did you homeschool? And I finally said, because you told us to. And then he whispered so sweetly in my spirit, then why did you make an idol of the results? And I will tell you that that question slammed my spirit right there. And it, it changed and altered everything. And it has continued to be whispered in my heart over and over again, because I guess I have a tendency to do that. 
I live in covenant with my, with my Lord, not in a contract. Conviction swirled around me. He instructs, I obey. The results are never guaranteed. And that question keeps coming back. And boy, in the empty nest, if we sit here and we feel disappointed at how life turned out, we need to ask ourselves that question. Why have I made an idol of the results of my life with my family, with my marriage, with my children, with my job, with my neighbors, with whatever? Because there is no guarantees that when we obey God, that things on earth are going to work out like we thought they were. We are not in the school of fair play. Our relationship with the Lord is not transactional. Because if we think it is, if we think I do this and then he does this, and if something bad happens to me, it's because I did something bad. We are not reading scripture. That is not what we get from scripture. Obedience does lead to a beautiful relationship with our Abba God, but it rarely leads to earthly success. Scripture doesn't teach us that. Look at the disciples. They left everything to follow the Lord. They had to end up poor. They didn't have jobs anymore. They had persecution while he was alive and even more when he was crucified. They had to hide and they feared their lives. Even after the Holy Spirit filled them with power, they were driven out of the synagogues. They faced all kinds of trials. And historically, we um, see that every disciple died a martyr's death. But go even further back. Look in the Old Testament. What about the prophet Jeremiah? I am reading Jeremiah right now in my quiet time. And let me tell you, the man obeyed. If he had made an idol of his results, he would have stopped obeying. Because obeying the Lord meant getting persecuted, being hated, being run out of town, being ridiculed, being thrown into the bottom of a cistern. It meant having to do things where people were going to laugh at him. You know, I wonder if Jeremiah sat in the bottom of that cistern and thought, I don't know why I obey God, because all it does is get me persecuted. I am disappointed at how my life has turned out, because he could be. Rarely do we admit those doubts, though, out loud, you know, especially in church. But we need to. We need to be able to confess our sins one to another. We need to be able to get from one another the encouragement to keep going. There are Psalms, though, that we can go to um, that will definitely speak to these things. I love the Psalms because they're so honest. Um, they're not, the Lord isn't afraid of our disappointments, our complaints. That's, that's the one thing you need to know. And the Psalms definitely, um, teach us that there's a whole set of Psalms that are the Psalms of lament. They're, they are there to cry out and complain. Psalm 142, one through two says, with my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. We get to just complain. Psalm 102, one through five says, and it, there's the little explanation at the beginning that's also part of the historical part of the word. It says, a prayer of one afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. I love that. If you feel like you are faint and you need to pour out some complaining, go to Psalm 102. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. 
Okay, sister, honest questions. Do you feel disappointed at how life has turned out? Are you struggling in your relationship with your children? Or are your children turning their backs on the Lord as adults? Is your marriage struggling or even ended? Do you have health or financial problems? All of these issues can poison our empty nest and create an environment of bitterness and fruitlessness. We've been talking about some of these problems in the last few episodes of of anger and weariness. And, And when we talk about disappointment, it can just zap us. But I want my years now to be fruitful. Kingdom building. You know, we've We've worked a long time and gone through a lot to get the wisdom that we have. We need to be able to share that with others, and we need to love the people around us. So I'm going to talk to you about a few of the disappointments that I think a lot of us deal with. First, I'm going to take a sip of my coffee because, you know, I need a little caffeine for this. I'm so grateful for coffee. Okay. So first one, what about being disappointed that I'm lonely? For each one of these disappointments, I'm going to give you a psalm. And as I've talked about before, we need to look at what God says that he will do and also some of the things that we need to do. So that's the preface of how this is going to work. Now let's do the one for being lonely. And we're going to go back to Psalm 142, which we um, read from the beginning of it. This is uh, verses four through seven. Look to the right and see there is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. Okay, I'm just going to stop real quick. A little commentary on the word. Anybody ever felt that way? Certainly, it's not only me that has ever thought, well, wouldn't it be nice if someone took care of me for once? All right, confession ended. Back to the scripture. Verse five, I cry to you, O Lord. I say you are my refuge my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. Have you ever felt brought low? Okay, so our solution there is to cry to the Lord because he's our refuge and our portion. Our refuge is the place we can go to find protection. It's the place we can run into and be surrounded by Him. He is our refuge. When we are sitting there feeling so sorry for ourselves, we can barely get out of a chair. He is where we should run. Let Him be enough. Okay, another disappointment that we can run into is if family or friend relationships are broken. Because the more time we are alive, which it means we have more time with people, and the more time with people means there are more time with problems. Psalm 41, 9 through 12 says, Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted, my heel, has lifted his heel against me. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up that I may repay them. By this I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout in triumph over me, but you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. Okay, so this one does have a little bit of a conditional thing because of my integrity. Let's just be clear that um, the way Jesus tells us to act is to turn the other cheek and to give a 
give a cloak and give an, then also give your shirt. I mean, there's a lot about that. When you even read that first part, even my close friend and whom I trusted who ate my bread, which could be all of our children, you know, all that stuff we were for them all those years has lifted his heel against me. That is a perfect description of Judas. And yet Jesus in his integrity washed Judas feet right before he went out to betray him. So we do have to walk in our integrity. But let's see what the Lord does for us. He's gracious to me. He raises me up. The Lord delights in me. And that's so important to remember. When we don't feel like anyone delights in us, the Lord delights in me. He upholds me and he can set me in his presence forever. We can enjoy his presence now and look forward to a completely unhindered being in his presence in eternity. So when we are feeling like those those relationships we were relying on are broken, we have a relationship that is never broken, and we need to remember that. Okay, another disappointment can be to feel rudderless in the empty nest. And that just means like, it's just hard to know which way to go. What what are we supposed to do with these years and this time? Are we supposed to just go get, for me as a homemaker, I wonder, am I just supposed to go get a job? Am I... um. I don't have the, I want to write and speak and do things for the Lord is but you don't really make a lot of money doing that so what should I be doing and it can be confusing and I have a, a lot of friends that are feeling that same thing what am I supposed to do next what need because there's 8 million needs to choose from what need am I supposed to fill we can also just wonder does anybody even see me does anybody need me And there's a, I love Psalm 37, like I love Psalm 37, the whole thing. I promised you, I am not reading the entire Psalm right now, but it is a worthy one to really marinate in. Um, I'm going to read verses three through eight and then 37 and 39. Trust in the Lord and do good. Okay, just listen to the things that we're supposed to do here. This is, okay, Susan, again, I'm going to preface this. Listen to what you are supposed to do, and then try to pick out what God is going to do. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. And then 37 and 39, mark the blameless and behold the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace. There is a future for the man of peace and woman. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. Once again, like refuge, he is our stronghold. He will, he wants, he wants to give us what we desire. We should befriend faithfulness. We should delight ourselves in the Lord. I mean, I delight in my children and my grandchildren, but if I look for them to fill my heart, I am going to always be frustrated. I need to delight myself in the Lord and then have a full vessel to pour out on the people around me. They are not designed to fill me up. I can trust, I can do good, 
I can dwell in the land. I can befriend faithfulness. I love that. Let faithfulness be my friend. I can be still before the Lord. (laughs) That's so hard. Wait patiently. I'm really not very good at that. Refrain from anger. So you can see that a lot of what we're doing is just following God's commands, putting our feet down where we are, dwelling where we are, but delighting ourselves in Him. And let Him act. Let Him bring forth our righteousness. Let Him give the desires of our heart. That's an amazing thing. Okay, so the last um, disappointment is just (laughs) when we're disappointed. We're just disappointed in general. You know, we're just life. Just not, it's, it's not how it's supposed to turn out. So Psalm 16, two through 11. And this Psalm 16, another great place to marinate. Says, I say to the Lord, you are my God. I have no good apart from you. Let's just say that again. I say to the Lord, you are my God. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And if you've listened to the last few episodes, I've read portions of this Psalm before because it's just one, it's so good, but it speaks to these struggles we have. You know, he's our portion, not looking around to see if my life work was valuable or not. You know, that's a sacrifice to the Lord. We we lay our work down to the Lord and we say, there it is. I did some things obeying you. I did some things in my flesh. I'm really sorry. I have no good apart from you, but you are my chosen portion. You're what I'm going to stand on. And then I'm going to believe that he has set lines in pleasant places for me, that I have a beautiful inheritance. And if it is not until I get to eternity, I'm going to wait for it there. But I'm going to believe in the inheritance that he has given me because of himself. He gives me counsel in the night when I can't sleep, when all the worries attack me, when all the concerns about my kids or the sorrow is too overwhelming. My heart can instruct me from the scripture I have hidden, from praying to the Lord. I can set God before me all the time. That's like getting him right in my face. And I won't be shaken. And I will be glad. And my whole being will rejoice. And my flesh will dwell secure. And I have to tell you, something changes in us, sisters. When we let our our flesh dwell securely in the Lord, and we're not looking to our husband, to our children, to our circumstances for security. We are free to love them without looking to them for our security. Let's look to Jesus and let him make known to us the path of life. I know this has been a longer podcast than my last few, but this is so important. If we walk around in our disappointment and our sorrow, then we can't share the love of Jesus with others because we're too busy sharing our disappointment with them. Let's um, really look to Jesus 
Let's keep him right in front of us. He needs to be in front of our face. He needs to be under our feet and he needs to be all around us. He's our stronghold and our refuge. If every other person in our life ignores us, he doesn't. If every promise has been broken, his never are. If our security dissolves, his stronghold is eternal. If we have no idea what to do, he makes known the path of life. If we are lonely, abandoned, betrayed, or forgotten, he never stops being our refuge. Him. Jesus, the Father, the Spirit. We need every part of the Trinity. Think of it this way. One thing our disappointments means is that there is less to distract us from him because we are no longer looking for those other things for satisfaction. We can't find security in people. We can't find love in the temporal relationships. And if all of that dissolves, we still have Him. We have the privilege to find out the truth that has been true every moment of our busy lives. Jesus is enough. He meets every need. And He never disappoints. Our solution for a disappointing, emptiness is 